Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with women in the arts. Agenda on FBI Radio, your Saturday morning fix for art, politics, news and trash from a feminist perspective. I'm Isabel Hawthorbe. And I'm Katie Winton. And today we're talking about the idea of inattentional blindness and how racist and sexist design biases in Silicon Valley are making the tech we use pretty toxic. So the weather's heating up and festival season is upon us, but it comes with alarming incidences of assault and harassment against women. Sweden has come up with a possible solution to this problem. 2018 will see their first female-only music festival. So we'll be chatting about that in our segment uh, Thoughts That Count, where we want to know what you think of the idea and whether you think a similar model should be introduced in Australia. Let us know your thoughts on all female music festivals. Should we have them? 0409 945 945. Text us. That's coming up in Thoughts That Count Before, our interview with Okapi Neon and Jesse Rye about an exhibition called Fully Sick, happening at First Draft Gallery in Willamaloo this Wednesday. The group exhibition showcases the work of artists living with chronic illness, pain and disability. And as always, we'll be giving you the news and trash from the past week from a feminist perspective uh, for our segment, Go Home, Everything is Terrible. And it's Halloween, which means it's time to talk about cultural appropriation. That is taking elements of someone else's culture without permission. So here's a little agenda PSA on good and bad borrowing. Here's our cultural appropriation uh, connoisseur, <laughs> Isabel. Connoisseur. <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, tell, tell us, how do we get through Halloween okay, this weekend? Okay, so... There's three S's, source, significance, and similarity to help you get through the Halloween weekend. Um, So source, think about um, the source, um, think first about the source culture. Is this a culture that has been historically discriminated against or oppressed in the past or in the present? Significance, is it something that is of major cultural significance or maybe even something sacred? Or is it just a run-of-the-mill ordinary item, an everyday commodity? Um, And you can also... Google, if you're not sure. <laughs> There's this thing. The last S is similarity. So think about similarity, the similarity of what you're doing. Are you interpreting or being inspired by someone else's culture or are you just making an exact copy? And remember, it's never too early to teach your children about cultural sensitivity. So maybe think about that Moana costume before sending your child <laughs> trick-or-treating. Get, wait, get, what more... is the Moana costume? Can you Oh, so uh, Disney brought out, um, for this Halloween, Disney brought out a Moana, the male character in Moana, a kind of bodysuit. You know how you can get those tattoo sleeves, but it's like a body sleeve for your child. But it's like brown skin and tattoos, like cultural tattoos. Um it's not a good vibe. So maybe just like wear something else. Go as like a <laughs> go as a cat or something. Go as a sexy cat. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it on a gender first. Um, um, so we hope this helps. Yeah. Here's, here's <laughs> you go. Here's Rhapsody with Le- uh, Are we listening to Layla's Wisdom or Black and Ugly? Black and Ugly. You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. Slight language warning on this one. Yeah, they call me black and ugly. But I go so hard, make the whole world a man. Uh, I remember when y'all used to call me ugly. Isn't it ironic now that y'all just wanna love me? So concerned with my weight, I'm more chucky than I am chubby. Confidence of a porn star, the day I cut the horns off. Took all my demons, threw them downhill in a buggy. Then I stood on top the hill and did the Millie Rock and Dougie. Screaming, only God can judge me. I'm feeling like the missile. 
Now y'all come around and wanna kiss up to me, wish you knew All masses, grandchildren, fantasized by crystals You can never diss me, I'm more Leo, you more grizzly Watch your mouth, these country boys carrying tools like Dabney's Bricky A Tesla, the BMI, Benzo, I ain't picky Talking appearance ain't no diss to me no one dissing me. I've been to hell and back and came back up and screaming victory. Still rocking the triple three. Now I wonder my summer feeling like Pete and Peace and memory of D&Ds. He's still rocking whether it's me rapping or Quentin T. You all about the Benjamins, I'm all about the family. I got the fellas rocking, see we working on a dynasty. Black and ugly as ever and still nobody finds me. No one been as kind as me. Ain't no kinds of me. Told niggas I'm one of one and told niggas they one and done. Uh. The only one kind of me I'm already better than what you niggas still trying to be Yeah, they call me black and ugly But I go so hard Make the whole world a man Yeah Brown skin persons are my light skin persons We so motherfucking beautiful while It's personal diary And frankly this game I'm styling my camp concentration and focus been on a thousand Black bottom Jordans, my soul black as organs A chain smokers in churches that sang hymns to organs Obey, looking for love but I can't reward them Never be the same like what they did to New Orleans You're never gonna park them, connected like apartments My squad thinking thieves, I flip out like cartwheels Get better like Lamar did, I'm never gonna owe them Man versus machine on underestimated soldier D-block my sister, E-money my sister Tia, that's my click, I only rock with real sisters Snow Hill, my home, not once did you hear me stutter But you hung on every single word that I ever uttered Cause I don't smoke crack, motherfucker, I sell it, uh Send it through the pipeline, they know who I rep They know how I rap, they know I don't rest System quick to arrest, uh If Bobby Brown tell it, I'm the best new addition Heard you whispering, Tracy Ellis I'm more blackish, just what real life rap is My hair don't look natural, so they questioning my blackness Rachel got over, guess that's a fucked up standard, uh Fuck y'all even, yeah, fuck y'all lied I'm weird cause I don't rap about dumb shit like y'all See, I feel just like Bob, baby Where the love at? Don't need no more trouble, but got beat by the double That's a different kind of drive-through Mono we mono, put your fist up for everyone that dissed us They talk about my list more than they put me on the list, woo I know shit about him and I know shit about her But I don't shit while I sleep so I don't shit on y'all That ain't my armor, and I don't believe in karma I wipe my ass with Charmin every day, nigga Just like you, hope you brush your teeth Or you get up talking shit about me Cause I'm You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio with myself, Katie Winton, and Isabel Hawthorburn. Coming up, we're talking about all-female music festivals as, as a response to the alarming rates of assaults in Australian, at Australian music festivals. We want to know what you think on 0409945945. And right now, we're talking about inattentional blindness or perceptual blindness. So basically, this means when an individual fails to perceive an unexpected stimulus that is in plain sight. So if you think about that video where all the people are playing basketball and, like, 
you're told to watch it. Um, and because you're concentrating so much on the basketball players, you don't see the gorilla in the background because you weren't expecting to see it. So this has pretty far-reaching consequences where we see it in politics and key decision-making groups when your panel or your um, board uh, all kind of looks the same and have similar life experiences and they can be insensitive to the experiences and needs of other people. Yeah, so a good example of this was in 2016 where um, one interviewer asked Um, Obama, why he thought that tampons were deemed luxury items. And he said, I I suspect it's because men were making the laws um, when those taxes were passed, which is not to say that these like evil men were sitting around in a board um, meeting targeting women who were menstruating or people that were menstruating. But it's kind of like the idea of the gorilla on the basketball pitch where because it's not an issue that directly affects them, you might imagine, um, they weren't anticipating it being a problem or, you know, being a necessity yeah. rather than a, um, a luxury tax. So one United States tech author and design expert has suggested that unconscious bias, racism and sexism have crept into the development of the technology we use and the industry needs to rethink its design mentality. Yeah, so you might remember a story from 2015 when the Google Photos tagging feature automatically labelled selfies of Jackie Alcine and his friends as gorillas. Um, and in another photo filter app, FaceApp, and which build itself as being able to transform your face into um, using artificial intelligence, introduced its hot filter. And so the AI learnt that to make you hot, it should lighten your skin or whiten your skin. So this doesn't occur as a result of like deliberate coding, but through the sets of example facial photos used to train the algorithms. So the data sets that people rely on um, are just predominantly white. So it's kind of like when we talked about the film Moonlight um, when it came out, I think last year, and the kind of revolutionary way that it shot black skin in lighting, makeup and camera calibration uh, and cinema pandering uh, has always pandered to white skin because in the early years of their development, there were only light skinned actors um, in film. And so like, like tech now, all their data sets still reflect that very old trend. Yeah, a recent ABC article looked at findings from a medical journal, from a medical journal that tested four widely used voice assistants and found only Siri and Google now would refer you to a suicide prevention hotline if you told it that you were thinking about committing suicide and not if you mentioned traumatic experiences or that you were feeling depressed, which kind of showed that it was more important to make sure that the system was able to crack a joke than it was to make sure it could handle basic and potentially life-saving or stressful scenarios, essentially because tech culture is driven by engagement metrics, right? Yeah, and the also the um article the article also looked at um a thing called inadvertent algorithmic cruelty, which I'm sure we've all experienced in one form or another. I certainly have. Um, but <laughs> it's when Facebook reminds you of a memory you would rather not remember, um, or photos showing up where you what you know like how f- Facebook is like this is what you were doing four years ago, or like remember this memory. Um, and it's been pretty- well, like here's all your current partner's exes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you, um, do you know this person? Do you want to connect with this person? You're like, absolutely not. really. Not. <laughs> but it's also really hiring. Like, it's pretty annoying on like a day-to-day level when you're like, no, I don't really want to see what I was doing this day yeah. four years ago. <laughs> um, but it has had really, um, really traumatic um, ex- uh, kind of outcomes. One man reported um, being in a, a car accident um, and then Facebook was like, oh, look at all the memories you have with this person. And it was just photos of him and his co-workers in this like really brutal car accident. Another person um, had a child who had died who Facebook was like, oh, this person turns three today and like balloons all around this like child's face. Um, And so, yeah, it can can be a little bit more traumatic than simply, yeah. 
yeah, it's revisiting kind of, less than pleasant <laughs> memories. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's kind of a new technology, and the kinks are coming out. And I think even if it is slowly, these unfortunate kinks will probably occur less and less. But it definitely reflects a pattern we see in a lot of different industries. Yeah, like in governments and development teams, or like even writing rooms. If everyone looks a certain way and has a similar life experience, then there are going to be things that slip through the cracks because there's no one to say, "Oh, well, in my experience, this yeah. is something," or maybe we need to look out for this potential problem, or like maybe people who are menstruating do need tampons, <laughs> and it's not something they're like, "Hey, girls, let's treat ourselves to some yeah. tampons today with some mimosas." I don't know. <laughs> I mean, sounds. Like something <laughs> like to do. Um, yeah, I guess the moral of the agenda um, story today <laughs> is that diversity makes for better TV, tech and policy. You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. Coming up, uh, we're talking all-female music festivals. Do you think this should be introduced in Australia? Let us know. 0409 945 945. This is Sydney-based artist exhibitionist with a new track, Motionless.
You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. It's now time for our feminist news segment, Go Home, Everything <laughs> is Terrible. So in news from this week, uh, Ryan Murphy's new show has made history where five transgender actors will portray trans characters in Pose, his upcoming FX drama. So the show has assembled the largest ever cast of transgender actors in series regular roles for a scripted series according to a release from the network. Pose will follow life and society in New York in the 1980s, focusing on the rise of the luxury Trump-era universe, the downtown social and literary scene, and the ball culture world. Yeah, it's a really exciting change, I think, even in the wake of Transparent. Jill Soloway said that she would never cast a cis um, actor in a trans role again, and I think people are, and the industry is kind of responding to that now. Um, In more positive news, doctors have removed a woman's womb to perform pioneering surgery on a fetus outside of her body. A team of surgeons performed experimental surgery on the 26th of September on a fetus with spina bifida in Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. Fetal surgery is one of the few operations with a 200% risk of mortality, which I personally don't understand, but I don't fully understand um, percentages and and probability. But um, it appears to have been a success and the baby should be born on the 14th of January. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. In also very positive news... (laughs) Maybe no one will have to go home this week. Uh, Kate Blanchett recently won a style icon at the InStyle Awards and gave a pretty great acceptance speech. I'm just going to quote a part of it. Um, small language warning here, but she said, uh, women who know how they look, it's not all of who they are, but it's just an, ext- an extension of that. And it's about women who feel free to wear whatever they want and when they and when they want and how how they want to wear it. Women like looking sexy, but it doesn't mean we want to fuck you. It's a really important <laughs> takeaway. Uh, Thanks, for Kate all the, Yeah. <laughs> it actually is. Yeah. It was, yeah, no, it was absolutely. a great speech. Yeah. Um, more, yeah, I don't know if we put this on the good or bad news. UK newspaper The Telegraph has just broken the news that Terry Richardson, the cool photographer, I don't know if we call him cool. <laughs> in very, um, like, in quotation like marks. accentuated quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, photographer with numerous accusations of sexual misconduct against him has been banned from working um, with industry's major fashion magazines. I mean, this story broke and, like, I think uh, the way that it was reported was, like, Oh, um, these stories have been coming out since 2015. But I was saying before, like, I remember being a teenager and people being like, oh, don't put like posters of his things on your walls because like he's a major creep. So I'm like, if I was like a 14 year old who knew that he was like a bit sus, then like, why was Obama getting Why was Obama getting photographed by him? Yeah, it's like he must have had some kind of advisors tapping him on the shoulder being like, hey, he has a really bad reputation and he has for like a very long time. I mean, it's yeah, it's also positive that it's happened, but it's kind of the thing. Uh, that we were talking about before where Mm. these people like Weinstein as well kind of get called out after the peak of their career too. So, you know, Terry Richardson's not really cool anymore and then therefore he's disposable and now everyone's like, oh, yeah, cool, he's a creep. That would be so interesting to see if anyone who's actually at the peak of their career is going to get called out or it's going to be like they're they're kind of fall out of favour within their own company or they're not producing as much content anymore. Mm. So it's like, okay, now we're going to punish you for um, your crimes. You're not untouchable anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, also, Stranger Things, Finn Wolf had uh, left his talent agency, APA, after two men came forward with allegations of sexual assault against his manager, Tyler Graham. Yeah, the thing is that Finn Wolfhart is like 14 years old or something, so I don't really understand how he could have known because he doesn't have any daughters. So, like, how would he have known <laughs> that, like, you shouldn't, like, abuse people? Because, like, what is his yeah. point of reference? Yeah, I mean, there? maybe he has a mother. Maybe. Or a sister. Maybe. So, you're right. Maybe he probably he feels some level of empathy, <laughs> I would say. Um, no, but that is really, really cool. And it just it demonstrates that, like, you know, you can do the right thing in Hollywood. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, anyway. 
Um, and last of all, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences and Sciences will establish a new code of conduct for its members in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein scandal. So, I mean, it just sounds so obvious, but obviously it's something that needs mm. to be done so that people have a point of reference to be like, this is unacceptable. Not just like, welcome to Hollywood. Someone's probably going to do something really gross to you. Yeah. Um, you're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. Coming up next is our Thoughts That Count segment on whether you think that all-female music festivals should be introduced in Australia. Before that, we're going to take a track from Amber Mark. This one's called Lose My Cool. I was so full of pain just stuck in my head There was no one that could get me out of it Yes, I think the drinking was a bit excessive Just Cause me to be aggressive My heart has been taken over Every day I get colder too I realize need to let go Expression from the get-go too
Thoughts that count. Agenda on FBI Radio. You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio and this is our segment, Thoughts That Count. We want to hear from you about what you think about feminist issues. Very important. <laughs> this week we're looking to Sweden, who will host the first women-only music festival in the summer of 2018 after a successful crowdfunding campaign raised more than 500,000 Swedish krona or about 80,000 Australian dollars for the venture um, from, from 3,300 people. Um, so Statement Festival, which forbids cis men, comes in the wake of a series of um, sexual assaults at Swedish music festivals such as Bravala and Putiparken. <laughs> um, that's definitely well a poor pronunciation, but um, that's my best Swedish. Uh, leading to well. Bravala being cancelled next year. Yeah, so the festival will allow cisgendered women, trans women and those who identify as non-binary to attend. An update on the project's Kickstarter page said that the crowdfunding revenue would secure as as yet an undisclosed venue for the festival. So the festival is being organised by Swedish comedian Emma Kinkare, who originally wrote on Twitter following the Bravala attacks, what do you think about putting together a really cool festival when only non-men are welcome that will run until all men have learnt how to behave themselves? It's an interesting concept because, I mean, I think we've experienced uh, like women in electronic music programs sure. or programs that are showcasing entirely female identifying or um, non-binary people, but everyone is able to attend. So I didn't... You know yeah. what I, where I sit with um, exclusivity in terms of attendees as well. That's right. I think that like once you start having very firm lines about people's gender, then it gets a little bit murky. But it does sound like it was the idea in itself is quite like very grassroots, mm. and so it kind of it comes from a very good place. But yeah, like you were saying, um, I'm not sure if I personally agree with that kind of um, gender essentialism. But um, with something like women in electronic music having not only women on stage but like uh, you were saying it's really nice to work on a project like that where there's uh, female identifying um, and non-binary people tech stuff yeah and, you know like it's so it's so important like I think to have an environment and I mean this is going off topic a little bit but with the second woman the artwork that Nat Randall who is FBI's uh, canvas presenter did last week their whole team was female identifying in terms of the camera people the tech people the people who are mixing like literally everyone on that team was a female identifying person um and it just it felt like such a safe space and I feel like that space especially in tech like worlds is a really important thing to make people feel comfortable not only as audience members but as people who are performing as well yeah and I think we've talked about the fact that a lot of people come on um to agenda talking about the idea that there are no safe spaces but having um more female identifying non-binary people in this in in this the staff show running part of things does make you feel more safe it, it absolutely does and I think it's really important yeah to not only have those people kind of in the spotlight but also making the decisions that allow for um, a festival or a show to run as well because like you're not only putting people on a stage you're also allowing people to make those curatorial curatorial decisions anyway yeah we have a text actually that's come in that says festivals centered around women are super important and there's actually one that's been happening in Australia the past few years it's called sad girls fest and it's happening on November 18th in Sydney at the Red Rattler and that was from TJ thanks um, TJ thanks TJ so we want to know what there, you think yeah there are a lot of female only music festivals um, in Sydney as well but I think um, the one in Sweden particularly is interesting because of the female only attendee mm. like that 
yeah, is kind of a, um, a one step further, I guess. But we asked a bunch of people to contribute to this conversation this week on our Thoughts That Count segment. And Don o- Dom O'Connor is actually on the programming team for Laneway Festival, which is pretty consistently booked female artists, including on a headliner level. And this is what Dom had to say on the topic of all female festivals. In regards to the question that Agenda on FBI is asking regarding an all-female festival happening in Sweden and whether there should be an all-female festival in Australia, I think that they definitely have a place within the ecosystem. I think that festivals like Sad Girls Club are a really necessary thing that exists. And um, whilst we've never had anything as bad as what happened at the Bravala Festival with the four rapes and 23 sexual assaults, Clearly, there is a problem with Australian festival culture and the way that people act at Australian festivals. So I think as a booker and as somebody programming a festival, you've just got to think about the inequality of every lineup and never really give yourself a pat on the back for a lineup and constantly strive towards making a more inclusive lineup. So, yeah, I think festivals like Sad Girls Club are a really, really necessary thing. And I think that all female festivals in Australia should continue to exist. I really hope that it does well. I really hope that Electric Lady continues to flourish because there's clearly an audience for it and there's clearly uh, an audience who feels pushed out of, of mainstream festivals. And as a promoter and a programmer, it's your job to try and appeal to those people and to try and do whatever you can to make this inequality less so. That was Laneway's Dom O'Connor on the topic of all-female festivals in Australia. We want to know what you think about it on 0409 945 945. So we also heard from Marissa, who's the co-founder, producer and presenter of Pink Noise, which is a radio show and collective dedicated to programming and championing female and non-binary artists, producers and DJs, along with Agenda producer Mari. Um, so here are Marissa's thoughts. I myself am white, cis female who grew up in Sydney's inner west. I am educated, able-bodied, have not really experienced much disadvantage in life other than financial disadvantage and I suppose the disadvantages that come in life based on my gender. Therefore, my comments and thoughts sort of come from a place of privilege. And with this privilege, I, throughout my life, have had access to most spaces in this city. I have felt uncomfortable in spaces before, yet I've never really felt unwelcome. However, sometimes I've attended events that have been surprisingly oppressing in that there is an unexpected or overwhelming amount of white men in the space that take up a lot of space. They aren't aware of how much space they take up and they don't really sort of understand the power and privilege that they have. And I don't even think that they think that it's a problem if there aren't any women on the lineup. Um, I, like most women, have experienced sexual harassment in venues and at festivals. And I am incredibly lucky to say that this has never really gone beyond harassment, but I shouldn't feel lucky about that at all. The reality is that no one should ever be experiencing sexual harassment, let alone assault in these spaces. However, it does happen, obviously. It happens in a lot of spaces where music is involved because usually where the music is involved, there is alcohol involved and therefore inebriation. And for some reason, people think that's an excuse or blame their behaviours on that. Anyway, specifically referring to the festival in Sweden, reading the stats that there were four rapes and 23 sexual assaults reported, 
That is four rapes too many and 23 sexual assaults too many. We're talking about basic human rights here. Like my body does not exist for you. There is no instance in the world where this is okay. And if we need to create our own spaces to feel safe, then I guess that's just where we're at. The reality is that women-only spaces shouldn't need to exist. Yeah, we're kind of still at a point where these are the only spaces where a lot of people feel safe. That was Marissa, um, the founder, producer and presenter of Pink Noise. And I think um, the last point that she made was really interesting, that it shouldn't need to exist. And I feel like we come back to that all the time. These kind of initiatives shouldn't need to exist, but until these horrible um, assaults stop happening they're kind of a necessity. And I guess that's what we're asking you today. Is it a necessity? Is there a better, um, is there a better solution? Um, one text says, only if they can be all male music festivals as well. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't even read that before I read it out. Okay. Um, there has okay. to be some sort of equality after all. I mean, interesting point. Texter, thank you. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> do you know what? Go to an all-male music festival yeah, and like you can have that. Have fun <laughs> because. <laughs> oh uh, my god! That was so I love that you read that without reading it first. <laughs> that was well. We are talking out. about equality after all. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you yeah, if you've got any more thoughts, um, text us oh four oh nine nine four five nine four five. That was our segment. Thought that thoughts that count. You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio, and we'll be joined by a copy and Jesse Rye to talk about their show Fully Sick happening at First Draft this Wednesday. Right now, this is Ultimate with Sentiment, your own agenda.
listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. We're joined now by Akapi Neon and Jesse Rye to talk about a group exhibition opening next week at First Draft Gallery called Fully Sick, which is showcasing the work of artists living with chronic illness, pain and disability. Thank you so much, both of you, for Thank coming you in today. Thank you so much for having us. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how the show came together and whether it's kind of a conversation, came out of a conversation that you were having with the other artists? Um, so I've been working with Willaray Kirkbright on and off for different projects for a while. Um, so we've done like music events and like hung out and kind of like proposed all these mad big ideas that we wanted to do in the future. And Willaray had this amazing idea about doing a kind of event that was specifically for people that experience like social anxiety and like some of the issues that we are dealing with just as people. Um, so that's kind of like this big dream event that we wanted to do. And then when I saw the first draft stuff come up, I was like, how about, you know, like I want to do stuff that's for, you know, our community, but also let's do something that's also like for the community of artists that we know who also experience, you know, chronic illness and pain and stuff like that. So I think probably a week before the deadline for the first draft proposals, <laughs> I was like, you know, let's let's do it, let's do it. And it was just, yeah, I think we both, um, even though we're both quite um, sick, you know, we, ha- we have, we're always trying to do a lot of things. So it was just like rushing it through and having these kind of like um, midnight conversations and like emails and stuff. And um, yeah, just Willeray is amazing at writing. I'm very terrible at writing grants or proposals. So Willeray has heaps of experience doing this from her career. So I kind of was like, here's some ideas and here's some people I think would be great. And she had ideas of people. And so, you know, she really did a lot of work kind of making it look like an official thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, and that's sort of how it sort of came about. Yeah. Yeah, I guess illness is often kind of rendered pretty invisible um, Mm. in art and maybe in society more broadly. Um, Are there, I guess, are there any challenges that come with making art and having conversations that kind of challenge people's or challenge the rhetoric around talking about illness and disability? Yeah, I think like, I think the most interesting thing for me has been like working as two curators who are sick Mm. Mm. with a group, like a large group of artists who are sick. And like even just the negotiations with First Draft, which have been really amazing, but also like new for all of us and like a space for growing. It's like there was so many things that we had to like think about and, and really challenge the ways that we all work. You know, like everyone, (laughs) like we had to have conversations about like, oh, people are going to drop out and people may not be able to make work and who's in hospital. And like, we need to get details, but like that person's not answering their phone right now. Um, And it was just really interesting because I think that that is a reason why we don't always have the same sort of opportunities and success in the art world. Um, which makes it hard, but it was like great to be able to acknowledge all of that and support all of that, and I still get it done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like find ways to kind of negotiate things. Like we're all sort of taking on the work, and like a lot of it has been like, how do you install when everyone has capacity issues? Mm. You know? I think we were talking earlier in the show about inattentional blindness and kind mm. of how people miss things if they're not if they don't experience this particular mm, Absolutely. Thing. So I think this is a really interesting example of, like, how you can do it well. It sounds like you're doing it well, but mm. also how you have those conversations where you say, like, about accessibility or... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess um, community care labour comes in quite a lot there. 
Yeah. What is yeah. that? Community community, community care, care labor. So it's like I think the funniest thing about people that are sick, you end up doing a lot more care labor for other people that are sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also like the biggest thing that I've learned. Sort of, I've always been a sick person, but having um, a, a point where my physical disability became more of a thing I had to deal with was just realizing all the things that you're not aware of. You know, like we took on the show at first draft, and it took all of us a moment to realize that the gallery space is up a flight of stairs Mm. and I have an actual physical disability. This is something that I've thought of walking up those stairs, but Mm. I still forgot, you know, and then it's like, how do we take responsibility for inaccessibility in a world that really doesn't accommodate Mm. for these things? Um, You know, which is why, I don't know if you want me to lead there, but it's why also the show is going to be toured. So basically we have, um, the show is doing two weeks at uh, First Draft. And so we have, Kindly, um, one of the other artists, Cal, swapped one of the gallery spaces with us, which is amazing because his work is amazing and it's also going to be very hard to get upstairs. So props to Cal. (laughs) Um, But we have like partial inaccessibility because half the exhibition is upstairs. So um, Willeray Kirkbright is also, the other curator, is also involved in a collective gallery space in Aurora, which used to also be mixtape. And so the the show will then tour from first draft to there which is a fully accessible space so that's kind of how first draft as a a venue and a space and also us as curators have kind of taken responsibility for the fact that you know nothing's perfect and like you know we want everyone to be able to experience the show Mm. and jesse you're one of the artists in the show can you talk us through your work for the show yeah so um i guess my work at the moment is focusing less on like superficial I'm sick all the time and that makes me sad mm-hmm. kind of stuff, which is totally, um, totally valid. But I guess um, last year I read a bunch about this amazing artist called Pauline Oliveros. Um, she's an American artist that put together a show called Stretch Boundaries. And that's all about artists who have chronic illness or disability and it kind of reframes and restructures disability as not something like as purely like lesser or reducing someone's ability or capacity and kind of reframes it as um, a research tool that uh, is just, it alters someone's like sensory ability to perceive the world and how that can be a really like valid and important like new modality of perceiving Mm -hmm. the world around you. And that's as valid and important too. So I guess I'm interested in in that phenomenon and also trying to make something tangible of that so someone else can experience like an altered uh, perception of day-to-day life or experience. Yeah. Mm. So Fully Sick uses representation as a way of reclaiming one's body. Can you talk about that act of reclamation? I guess both of you, really. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you want to go on <laughs> me? I think you're, you're good for this one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, I guess the thing for me is like, I think, and we've talked about this before, like being young and chronically ill and being young and disabled is kind of like, it's it's got a whole layer of things that, um, you know, people don't really ever understand. And I think for me, a lot of the representation stuff is like finding other people who experience the same thing as Mm. me, seeing other people like, you know, like I have a total hip replacement, I have a massive scar. I, I have a leg that's diff- like different size to the other, like all these kind of things that change the way that I see my body. And when you just see these bodies that are able-bodied and like look, look normal or whatever that's meant to mean, um, you know, it's like you feel a sense of alienation. And I think a lot of 
the artists are like exploring identity and bodies mm. and like what what it means. I always call it like my my flesh prison, <laughs> you know. And it's <laughs> like, um, you know, like being stuck in this body and the kind of like relationship that you have, and so making work around that kind of um, love-hate relationship and the tension of always navigating a, a sick body. Yeah, know? and I guess it, yeah, it's a matter of day-to-day negotiation. And also when, um, you know, when you're young, you're perceived as going to be totally able-bodied, especially yeah. if, yeah. You, you know, if you have a hip replacement or you've got a neurological No one wants to illness. give me a seat on the bus, mm. like, no, ever. No one sees that. Yeah. And uh, people get tired of hearing that too, you know? Yeah. You're listening to Agenda on FBA Radio. We're talking to Jesse Rye and Akapi Neon about Fully Sick, a group show happening at First Draft opening next week. Uh, we're going to chat some more about the show right after this track uh, called Baby Mother from Raw Shape Butter. Small language warning on this one. <laughs> Why you want to go back? 
Why you run with them hoes? When I come for the dough, keep them under control. I'ma give this to these niggas, run like shape, run like I'ma give this to these hoes, run like shape, run like If it he gon' wanna be there, run like shape, run like shape. Roll it, he gon' roll it, then no run like shape, run like That was Fevere. You're listening to Agenda on F. Nope, it wasn't. It was what? (laughs) It was raw shea butter. Sorry. Sorry. You're listening to Agenda on FBA Radio. coming up. Coming up. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking to Akapi Neon and Jesse Rye about Fully Sick, the exhibition opening next week at First Draft Gallery. Um, So I wanted to ask you both about, like, the layers of oppression and discrimination within the medical system based on your show um, that is about Mm. physical disability and illness. Um, and I was wondering if you could just speak to that a little bit. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of the thing that often is, I think, the most, uh, yeah, complex and in, mm. and invisible. I mean, you know, you you don't. There's so much pressure to be able-bodied, to be productive. You know, we're all under capitalism, and so you know, we're forced to like earn a living and all this stuff. And so you're trying to do all these things while being very unwell, and then having your access to adequate care completely be messed with totally and i think when you start to get layers of different impressions on top of that like whether you're queer or trans or if you're aboriginal or um young person all of these things just layer and layer Mm. and um i think the thing like that willa and i willa i and i talked about a lot was um also having a show that had aboriginal representation because aboriginal people in this country have the highest mortality rates and also face extreme amounts of discrimination stigma Mm. and racism just accessing basic care let alone getting complex health care managing a chronic you know yeah chronic illness while they're also you know yeah trying to make a living or make art all these sort of things so um I think that's also why it was good to have a platform to be like, yes, you, you know, you struggle with these things, but also, you know, you deserve to have the limelight and you deserve, you know. Um, yeah, solidarity. Yeah. yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit about who will be in the limelight? Yes. Which I've, artists I've got a list. <laughs> I've got a list because it's, it's a big list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have Steph Simbulas. We've got John Douglas. We have Jesse Rye, who's here. Um, we have <laughs> we have Natalie Alwood, we have John Mundine, we have Grant Gronwald, Sissy Regan, and Warren Gracie, and also Willa I and I both are in the show as well. And what are some of the works? I mean, we probably don't have time to talk through all of the artworks, <laughs> but can you tell us about a few of the different um, like 
objects or pieces or works yeah. that will be in the space? Um, so I have to do a shout out that Grant, also HTML Flowers, will be doing um, a set from his newest album. Um, so he will be doing some songs in the courtyard, which you should really come by and see. Um, we also have some performance, durational performances. We've got ceramic works. Um, we have paintings, we have digital images, um, we have sound and video works. Mm. Um, you have an amazing work, which maybe you want to talk about? Yeah, I guess that's, um, I guess like an audio visual installation sculpture thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks pretty. <laughs> come see it. Yeah. No oh, spoilers. Definitely. No spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's great that there's a, like a range of um, like media and sculptural and performance works I think everyone because you know you can't just like box everyone in and be like you know sick artists make this kind yeah. of work it's really um, it's yeah. really diverse which has been really amazing and like challenging to curate yeah you know? mm. it sounds quite reflective of different people's like way of dealing with different experiences as yeah well. because some of the artists as well it's like when you you think about like the drive to be an artist and the drive to make work but mm. also maybe you're stuck in bed so it's mm. like how does that change the way you produce work like mm. you know are you just going to then make digital work because you need to work on your computer right. you know all these kind of things so fully sick is opening at first draft on wednesday the first of november yes 6 p.m yep uh what time is the html flowers set uh so it starts at 7 30 and goes okay. to eight um but i also want to say that we are then opening on the 28th of november at Gallery Aurora. That's in Summerhill? Yeah, Yeah. in Summerhill, yes. So once the show closes, we have a few days off and then we do the show again. Touring. (laughs) Yes, yes. which is really amazing. (laughs) Plenty of chances to check it out. Yeah. Um, Jessina Carpi, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having us. To talk to us today. We're going to leave you with this track from Fever A. It's called To the Moon and Back. You've been listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Peace.